Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside Podcast. And Kiri, uh, we've got a, a varied selection again um, from the farmer's market that I visited, from railways as well, and also Cruft's Dogs, which we'll uh, turn to very shortly as well. But the uh, Mike Fairburn I spoke to from the Manx Rail Project about uh, what their role is uh, around the various railway items that are on the Isle of Man of course the steam railway the electric railway and uh, all need to be maintained and got a good feeling of the interest and the work that was involved particularly on the top of Snae Fell which uh, was quite a logistical challenge I must say Goodness me, it is a lot of work goes into keeping them rails good. But it's a lovely spectacle through the Manx countryside, especially down with us there. You see the, the big red, red shiny train coming through. It is lovely to see. And it's always busy, full of families. Yeah, and it, does it go through your land? It goes through our farm, just along the bottom and into Bellicella. But it's it's lovely to see. They used to have uh, men on the gates, but now it's all automated barriers, so it doesn't slow down as much as it used to. And you see it getting going again, but oh, it's lovely to see. If you stuck your hand out, would it stop? At, uh, Once at it would have done, but not now. It goes far too fast. All <laughs> oh, right, does it? It goes yeah, steams along. It yeah. really does. Since they've done the new track down by the south the, the district, it's a lot faster than it ever was. And yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take much time coming from Port Erin to Douglas now. Yeah. No, and you spoke also to uh, some of the people who've had great success from our little island at, uh, at the well the biggest dog show in the world probably Crufts. it really was the biggest dog show and they've come in from all around the world to compete at it but to have six out of seven in the regional northern irish team to compete it was fantastic the ladies have come through qualifiers and selection process and they've, they've done a really great job and even one of them was competing in the world cup team of four uh, with her two border collies, yeah, fantastic achievement. And it's a great thing as well that the people are realising in this day and age that um, maybe they don't need to uh, join gyms and things, but that they're getting exercise, plenty of exercise, especially on the dog agility things and all, and walking their dogs um, through combine it with having a, a wonderful pet well this is it they're enjoying time out in the countryside and and with their yeah their com- companion and it's it's great to see and they spend a lot of time in the in the halls with the dogs but the dogs are getting exercise they're content they're, they're peaceful and and um, there's different breeds the the hounds that were competing in the uh, individual class with laura merriweather and um, those dogs needed a lot of exercise and her husband will take them up the slock and through the mountains and you know down on the south rule there a lot of exercise goes into it but he uses it to train for the parish walk so it's it works hand in hand helps everybody and also the farmers markets uh, we've been to them uh, as well around various parts of the isle of man and uh, still as popular as ever aren't they they really are it's a great place to buy local produce and there's so much variety now to choose from your jams carrots meat it's a fantastic place and they're all striving for different things as well there's chutneys lemon curds <laughs> and all sorts of things and homemade breads and things that people are, are um, catering for uh, like when I because I've obviously visited on this week's program uh, the northern farmers market and the, there's a lady and a husband her husband wasn't there but they bake their own bread and everything like that as well particularly aimed at people with with allergies because there seems to be more and more of that in this day and age isn't there? well that's right and, and if they can buy local they will I think a lot of people and um the the allergies is a, is a big problem and if they can uh, you know supply what these people want it's it's fantastic especially for local producers as well it is so here's this week's countryside manx radio's countryside is brought to you by nfu mutual 
the railways around the Isle of Man are steeped with history and big tourist attractions as well. They take a lot of maintaining though and there's been some problems this year with obviously the rain and landslides that have happened around the tracks. To find out how all of this gets repaired I spoke to Mike Fairburn from the Manx Rail Project and first he told me a little bit about the Manx Rail Project. We're a company that has a contract with the Department of Infrastructure Railways for maintenance work on the Snaefell Railway, the Max Electric Railway and the Steam Railway and it's called a framework contract because it provides for heavy maintenance and renewal work of the tracks and drainage and other infrastructure items and we now enter the third year of a three-year contract. From of course Ramsey the MER goes to there and then from Laxey to Snaefell then the steam railway to Port Erin is it all part of the remit? It is yes and we've done some work on on each of the railways during this past winter we're just closing out a section about two miles out of Douglas on the steam railway where we've renewed about 500 metres of track we've worked on a couple of sections on the electric railway and the one that we're currently closing out is just south of Laxey and typically we've done a job on the summit of Snaefell which is extremely unusual where we've replaced both the track and provided new pole foundations in conjunction with uh, island aggregates. Looking firstly we'll come back to the Snaefell one but the the weather has been particularly bad we've uh, at Laxey there the bridge washed out with the floods and how has that affected the the rail tracks on the island? The railways, particularly on Snaefell, have been very badly affected. We've also had to deal with flooding on other work sites. Before Christmas we were working south of Douglas and there was torrential rain in during December which made life extremely difficult when we were digging and putting drainage in on that section of track. So extremely challenging and using pumps to take water out of excavation was... Um, very difficult. We completed some drainage and another contractor has done some other drainage on that site but it was all finally completed and a a big improvement to the railways as a result. Have you had many people coming up and paying interest to what parts of the track and what you're doing to the track? Yeah particularly residents who live alongside the railways where we've been working they're asking what we're doing. Um, They've been very supportive generally Uh, we haven't really had any problems in that respect but uh, explaining what we're doing with the the renewal work which involves a lot of heavy civil engineering work of excavation and bringing stone in and then bringing new track materials in and sometimes I'm afraid this tends to be noisy activity but um, you know the, the people who've lived alongside the work sites have been very tolerant and helpful in enabling us to get on with doing the renewal work. Are the Isle of Man railways are they the same as every other sort of rail tracks around the UK and everything easy to get bits for? Um, not really no the railways on the island are almost unique they're um, very much as they were when they were built and the technical parts used in them have changed very little until recently where new specifications have been improved to make things better but the the bit that the public sees the the trams and the trains are still very much as they were in a Victorian era which is of course a big attraction for the island that you know when the railways in Britain are used as common carriers and most elements of what they look like when they were built have disappeared the the railways on the island still look like very much like they they did when they were built and that's that's a, a big tourist attraction yeah and there's still a lot of interest in the railways around the island man particularly from not just the locals from people visiting the island isn't there absolutely that's that's one of the big attractions and uh, 
the numbers of visitors who come to ride on the railways is increasing and the number of people who ride on the railways themselves are increasing and attractions such as the, uh, the special events which are now held at the Summit Cafe on Snaefell are uh, apparently very well patronised and becoming increasingly popular. Talking about Snaefell, uh, give us a little insight because it's there's not many roads up to the summit. I mean, <laughs> what did you have to do up there work-wise? No, no roads at all, in fact, and, and no means of vehicular access other than the railway. And the job that we are just about completed was a renewal of all of the track on the summit, the railway track, and the poles that hold up the um, electrification wires, which is a particularly challenging thing to do when you can't get road vehicles up there to bring materials, in particular We've excavated and cast new concrete foundations for the poles, which are designed to take both a loading as a result of ice that would stick to the poles in the winter and the the highest wind speeds up there. So a, a piece of modern engineering designed to ensure the poles are stable. And that's involved taking quite a large volume of pre-mixed concrete to the summit and then remixing it and pouring it. Uh, together with a quality assurance test to make sure that it's actually to the required specification and that's now all complete and ready for the wires to go back and for services to start soon. Why did that work have to happen? What was the main reason for that? Basically it was all life expired, the track was life expired, the poles were life expired and required reseating and replacing and the opportunities being taken to rearrange the layout at the summit in order to increase the capacity for parking trams there basically to get more people to the summit at one time. But the, the vehicle that was used to, that you mentioned earlier, taking the materials and things to the summit, it's a, it's a fairly unique one, and it wasn't just that you could buy one of them rare-looking machines off the shelf, uh, Mike. In, indeed it isn't. We, we call it the Snaefell Road Rail Machine because it's designed specifically to operate on Snaefell with its unusual 3-foot, 6-inch gauge, which there isn't any 3-foot, 6-inch gauge anywhere else in in the, the British Isles and the fell brake arrangement is unique in an operational railway across the world at the moment and we designed and built this machine specifically to support maintenance activity on the mountain I and mean, it's unusual in that it's powered by a diesel engine it's basically a conversion of a a heavy off-road dumper machine but it's capable of off-road work and working on the railway in road rail mode um, it'll carry four tons on its load deck and it's got a little crane on it so it's designed specifically for carrying materials and supporting maintenance work on the railway. And we got this vehicle approved to operate on Snaefell, and it's, it's completely unique. It's the only means of taking large loads up the mountain with diesel traction. The railways do maintenance work using a tram, but that requires the overhead on, and our machine will work without the overhead power line, so it's, it's unique. So all in all, uh, keeping the wheels of certainly the train and tram industry uh, moving on the Isle of Man, but doesn't sound easy. It doesn't. It's, it's very challenging, but um, there's been a lot of enjoyable aspects to it. And on the nice days from Snaefell Summit, which there have been a few through the winter, clear winter days, and you can see from the summit right across the Irish Sea, to Scotland, England, Ireland and Wales. It's quite an unusual place to be working and we've achieved something up there that we're very proud of. Mike Fairburn there from the Manx Rail Projects. You were a big train goer, Kerry? I quite enjoy the train. It comes right through the farm, so we quite often hear it tooting along. Oh, you've not got a station there for you? No? no, no, there used to be a guy on the old gates, but now it's all automated barriers, so we don't see it stop as often anymore. But uh, it's a lovely spectacle through the countryside. Big shiny red thing 
puffing along. Yeah, but the, the, the thing about it is there's so much variety, isn't it? You've got the steam train and also the, the electric railway that's heading up to Snaefell and the, the one going to, to Ramsey and everything. It's all The horse trams are all a little bit different, aren't they? Oh, they are. They're lovely for the island. People love going on the trains, especially with families and days out. You know, it must have been a, a hard job to keep it up to scratch. I remember seeing the old steam train when I was a kid going past Balacry. From Balaf into Ramsey, yeah, that was a very, very youngster then. So uh, we'll move on. <laughs> You've been talking to some very uh, highly commended people and animals, haven't you? Yes, we met the ladies on their return from Crufts. My goodness me, they've done a great job. There were six of them in a team of seven for the Northern Ireland Regional Competition. That's some achievement. Mm. You know, so many from a small island you know, matching up in that Northern Irish team. It was brilliant. And then, in fact, there was one lady um, was in the World Cup with her two Border Collies. So I had a chat with Debbie Martin and Anita Quayle on how they got on. So, Debbie, here you are, back on home ground after a wonderful trip to Crofts this year. Thank you very much. Yes, it's been a tremendous success for everybody from the Isle of Man that's got as part of the Northern Ireland team. We've had really good successes. We've got Anita who came second with her crossbreed, Odin. And I got a third place with my crossbreed, Fred. And the World Cup team that Helen was part of with her colleague, Indy, came fourth. To even get that far, though, Debbie, it takes a lot of work. There's training pretty much day in, day out, and particularly when you know something as big as Crufts is coming up, you haven't really got time to let anything lie. So you're training, not necessarily all the time, because some of the dogs will take more than others, but you've got pressure as well of working as part of a team. So it's not just your own achievements, you know that what you do, the team are depending on as well. Because the places that you get uh, accumulate points, and that also helps towards the team's position at the end of the day. But also, you've had to go through a series of basically qualifiers and be chosen to be part of this team of Northern Ireland. You know, that's, it's been a big build-up. There is. All of the old achievements over the year previous accounted. So the team manager, Mike McCartney, comes across from Belfast. So he'll want to know how all the dogs have done at shows through the year, what your achievements are, successes at shows, and he'll want to actually see the dogs in action too. And here they are today. They're, they're all different breeds. They're not all, as we always expect, to be Border Collies. That's right. Well, the interregional competition was actually set up with the purpose of showing that other breeds can do obedience. Obviously, the first breed we always think of with obedience and agility is going to be the Border Collie, which obviously it does excel at those sports. But it's to show that other breeds can do it. And the team is restricted with the number of breeds that you're allowed of any particular type. So there's a maximum of two of each. So it has to be quite a good mix, which then throws a little bit more pressure on the team manager to get the selection just right. And will you ladies have had these since they were little puppies and brought them on yourselves, or have they been bought especially for the obedience? They were bought first and foremost all as pets. So they start off as pets, but obviously we've all been, with the exception of Anita, the rest of us have been involved in obedience for quite a number of years. So you do then get a puppy with the idea of wanting to go on and do competition. But pets first and foremost. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And any shows coming up in the next few months? I think for most of us it's probably going to be the June show, which will be the Isle of Man Club. 
So we've got a little bit of a wait yet. A couple of us also do rally obedience. So we're away to a rally obedience show across. That'll be start of April. And I think that's probably about it till June now. So Anita, a very proud mum. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah, over the moon. Can't, just <laughs> can't get over it, to be honest. Absolutely, just chuffed to bits. And second in his class, that is some going. A beginner at that. Very much so. Um, as I say, he's only done three local shows over here. He was placed every time, but obviously I don't really get to get across very often. So to be picked for the team was an absolute honour. And he just above my expectations what he did he was just brilliant he handled himself immensely in the ring he was just fantastic yeah but there's a little bit of a story behind this boy come on um i actually hand reared him and his two little brothers from three days of age i've got his mum it wow. wasn't an intentional mating it was accidental but he's a brilliant accident and uh she ended up not producing enough milk so i had to hand rear him and his two little brothers and as you can see now at two and a half years of age he's a uh, Healthy and happy and yeah. <laughs> he's a big boy and he's got so much fur. It must be a nightmare to keep him clean. He is, just a bit. But he's a dog and he's allowed to be a dog. And he goes out, gets dirty, gets muddy. And yeah. uh, enjoys yeah. life. He does enjoy life, definitely. So Laura, back from the world famous dog show Crufts. What a success you've had. Four dogs and four prizes, is this correct? It was, yes. Um, we had Mud, uh, the pharaoh hound. Um, Ice, the Ibevan hound. And then we had Rainy, who's also a pharaoh hound and then albert the chinese crested and did you have first prize with muddy and first prize with ice will you tell me a little bit about those two muddy's a three-year-old pharaoh hound he's done a bit of winning he's had um i think three or four best in shows on the island he's had three firsts at crufts now and then the reserve dog cc uh, at this crufts and ice ice is 17 months old he's an ibevan hound and he was top Ibevan Hound Puppy 2015. He's got a 1cc um, towards his championship status. Um, and he's also won two reserve cc's now and one of them at Crofts. But this, this doesn't happen overnight, Laura. A lot of hard work goes into it behind the scenes at home. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, mainly, you know, they are, you know, part of the family to begin with. But, you know, yeah, they need lots of exercise, lots of training. Sam goes out and does miles and miles and miles running with them, walking them. But yeah, just mainly, you know, part of the family. And if they're happy, then, you know, they'll perform to their best. But the pharaoh hound, originally, it was a hunting dog for rabbits. A lot of exercise must go into keeping this dog fit in particular. Oh, yeah, definitely. They were from Malta originally, so the Maltese rabbit and dog. So they used to going out chasing, hunting for the farmers. And if they could over here, then they would. So, yeah, so plenty of exercise. And, I mean, Mud loves going out running. And if anyone sees him, you know, out and about, that's Mud <laughs> being pulled along. <laughs> but these, some of these dogs that you're up against, they're coming from all around the world. You know, some coming from Russia. It's, it's an incredible achievement to be in that bunch of dogs as well. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, I feel proud just to, you know, be involved, you know, and in the ring with some, you know, amazing dogs from, I mean, there was some from Sweden, there was Germany, there was Russia, um, there was one from America. So, you know, it's great even just to be in there, let alone win. That's absolutely fantastic. But Muddy alone, he's now been asked to come over to America to compete. Is that something you're looking forward to or no, a bit dubious? I, I, I want him to stay at home. However nice it is for him, you know, to go over there, I, I just want him to stay at home as part of the family. Laura Merriweather, Debbie Martin and Anita Quayle 
on their return from Crufts. Wonderful. Like you said at the beginning, Kerry, that that's such a prestigious event, isn't it, around the world. And when you see the lengths people are going to to get even just some of the minor prizes at Crufts, it's a fantastic lifetime achievement for many, isn't it? It really is. There's dogs there from all around the world and there's classes of up to 30 dogs. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And for Laura and an individual in the show competition there, you know, to, to even get in the class was amazing, but to win it and then go on into the, the best of breeds, it, it's brilliant. She's done really, really well. And Great accolade for the Isle of Man. Yeah, and it, it, it makes you realise as well, because all the agility classes um, in the past have been a, a lot of collie dogs in it, and listening to that, it, things are changing because people are realising they can maybe get a little bit more performance out by you know, mingling them around, isn't it? Well, that's right. A lot of these dogs, are, some of them... Are are rescue dogs but they're finding that they are able to do the obedience and the agility as equally as good as the border collie but uh, i think the border collie still is coming out a little bit more on top judging from what the ladies were saying but uh, yeah fantastic achievement we all know from farming backgrounds how obedient sheep dogs are though don't we oh well (laughs) (laughs) we'll move on some (laughs) days Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, the farmer's markets have been growing in popularity over recent years, and one of them is up in the north in Carl's Bistro, and I popped along to speak to some of the people who were in there buying the goods on display, and also to some of the people serving. I first of all spoke to Dot Price. Oh yes, quite busy every Saturday morning. We're very lucky we've got a regular build-up of customers who come back every week, which is very good. Although there have been some new faces. Now that Carl has taken over the bistro and serving lunches, we are getting more variety of people, not just our regular customers, which is good. And what sort of produce have we got here? Your stall's got preservatives, eggs, all sorts. Just give us an idea of what's on it. Well, we're market gardeners, you know. We market garden just at the door out the road, and we do seasonal local veg. At the minute, we're getting to the end of our root veg, vegetables but luckily we've got a polytunnel so that supplements it with greens. Now you go to some of the places and you think wow there's about 20 or 30 stalls there's not that much room in here for them does that that make it more sort of um, friendly to the to the customer and you know where where the what's here is what's in front of them they're not going to walk around for hours thinking oh, I can't decide. Well this is a plus uh, our motto is at the farmer's market, you're selling, you're buying exactly from the producers, you're cutting out the middleman, so you're talking to the people who actually either grow the stuff, bake the stuff, make the stuff, whatever. And it is, it's very personal. We've got to know our, our regular customers, we know all about them, where they work, about their children. We actually know their eating habits as well and what they like and don't like. So we try to cater for every whim. Now George, you're in, in control of the, the boa goat uh, stand but the goat's meat itself I mean it it is growing in popularity why is that? I think people recognize the quality of it and the health benefits of it and can see past the higher price that we put on it and realize that that is a reflection of the quality. And what sort of uh, cuts do you you get off the goat's meat the same as normal uh, animals? Yeah uh, we get the same cuts as you would from a lamb. Right. Yeah. So moving on to another part of the Ramsey Farmers Market, I'm talking to Lynn. And what uh, have you got in your stall here, Lynn? Um, we, we do bread and pies and uh, pasties. 
jams, etc. Yeah, are these all homemade? Yeah, they're all homemade. Husband does the bread, and that ranges from focaccia, sourdough, wholemeal, you know, the, the good stuff. Yeah, and, and Doc was saying before, you know, you've got, you got your regulars. Have you got your regulars where you know that they're going to come in oh, for yeah. a particular loaf or anything? Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. We, we cater to a lot of, um, for different, for difference, you know, people that don't eat wheat. Yeah. Um, so we'll do spelt or rye and, you know, there's, there's a great variety. And people want that this day and age, they because do. there's so many allergies about that's people right. are looking for alternatives. Yes, that's right, very much so. And what about the good old pasty? I see a few the of them. The pasty, there. yeah, the good old pasty. Yeah, we have a lot of people to mistake it for for Cornish, but of course we can't say it's Cornish because we're not making it in Cornwall. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a Manx pasty. The Manx. Well, Paul Salmon, you're one of the regulars here, I hear. Yes, uh, I, I usually come in most Saturday mornings to uh, uh, get some uh, good fresh produce because the market's here. It's a good complement of what's in season and everything. So. Uh, Works out very well, and the the preserves and the and the jams and chutneys and everything. You just can't get the same taste when you buy them from from the big manufacturers in the supermarkets, can you? I know. I always always there uh, go for uh, uh, stuff that's been home produced or you know uh, locally produced. It's, uh, we've got such a variety here that there's no reason to do otherwise, really. Well, Carl Meyer, you seem to be welcomed by the farmers market crew with open arms. <laughs> Well, yes, it's uh, it's an interesting concept, having the farmer's market in a restaurant on the weekend. They're saying it, it's been good in a way because you've got some bits and pieces on and the soup made with a lot of the ingredients as well. And the people are stopping, doing a bit of shopping and having something to eat as well, which is nice. Well, they've been here a lot longer than I have, so when we came in, we saw what they were doing and we thought what could go along with it. So, yes, we do just a soup and... Uh, a doorstep, homemade bread and cheese on top and away you go. And what about the, the feedback that you get when people are actually doing a bit of their own shopping with the local produce and then coming to get something off you? Are they, are they talking about it? Well yes, it's always good when uh, you start a new restaurant to get customers coming through the door automatically and they come whether you're there or not so then they look, come in, they see what you're doing and then they come back for a meal at some time. So we benefit from it. And enough for you as well, because you'll be able to, if you've got a leak short or something, you can nip behind the counter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I think it's all, all in keeping with local produce and, and working with the locals. And, and this is what they do, and this is what I do. And so it works well together. There's no conflict of interest there. There we are, some of the people that were attending and selling ware at the Northern Farmers Market at Carl's Bistro. And really lovely atmosphere in there, Kiri, there was. You know, it's only a small little place, and it just combines well that people are going in there now and get a bit of soup or something and the, the homemade bread if they want it and just buying the lemon curds and the, oh, the homemade wow. breads and the goat's meat, everything that everyone, they have their regulars that come in. And it's just, fantastic, yeah, isn't it? It, is. it really is. It's a lovely platform for local producers to start selling and people love buying local and they will go out of their way to go and find it and it's it's great. Every week there's always a farmer's market and many people do go yeah and what's uh, what's your favorite vegetable oh i'm not so sure i do like a sprout do you yeah i do oh, like sprouts nice. it's either a love or hate thing isn't though, it just... i'm a bit of a carrot man myself oh goodness and courgettes so. <laughs> i suppose i could be a vegetarian i think although yeah. i like meat yeah um, i'm quite happy to eat vegetables as well so it wouldn't really bother me well that's it local grown stuff's got a heck of yes. a taste hasn't it's it different so... completely it is yeah it is i remember when we were kids we used to 
pull the carrot when we grew carrots at the farm at yeah and uh, we used to just pull them out of the ground with an old pen knife that you, you wouldn't pass health and safety <laughs> in this day and age i tell you and just give it an old scrape get the thing off and bite it on the way same the with spuds and turnips. most tastiest though aren't they, they are. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, not sure if they mix homemade bread, goat's meat, trains and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but that was all in this week's Countryside and that's the, the beauty of doing this programme, isn't it? Oh, you meet up with some great people and it's very successful people as well. And such a small island, um, like particularly in the in that dog things that we heard and the crufts and the, the, to have so many... Uh, representing that uh, team, six well, out of seven, it. wasn't it? A small it? Yeah. island that we live on, and they're able to, you know, fit in there just perfectly. Good. We'll be back next week with more countryside for you. So, for me, Simon Clark, and me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye bye. Bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds, and the best value on the island from just twenty-three pounds ninety-five per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.